friends, welcome to episode 58 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level. I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Hmm. I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> I had to think a little little hard about that one. There's a lot going on in the world right now. There is. There is. And, it's, uh, it's, it's been a long day, and like the run-up to this was just like little ups and downs of things and so it's it gives you a lot to pause and think about yeah so yeah yeah and aside from that i think just today has just been a rough day for both of us oh yeah i know me i woke up, I woke up with like a half a migraine which finally went away congratulations like it's, it's just kind of like a dull throb in the back of my head mm-hmm. uh and uh got practically nothing done at work today because mm-hmm. i was fighting with software all day i i was fighting connections all day today <laughs> Like, it was just a pain in my butt. It wasn't until close to the end of day, like, my work, my quote-unquote work day, mm-hmm. uh, that I was actually able to do anything relatively functional. And then I find out that there's a massive storm coming in. Mm-hmm. And so any work that I would like to do tonight, I, you know, it's all dependent on power and connectivity. So we'll see. We'll yeah, see. You, don't, you don't know if But we are here. The heavens are going to be coming down or whatnot. So, oh, summer in Michigan. How we love you. It is pretty nice at times. Uh, big shout out to everybody in the live chat. Thanks yes, for joining us tonight. Thank you. thank you for joining us on MixLR. We're glad to have you there as well listening in. Yep. And if you are not listening live, you can listen live uh, every 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on Wednesday nights on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, listen to us live there. And uh, we'd love to have you in the live chat as well on Discord. Yeah. Join us, please. So tonight. Yes. Tonight, I'm excited because we're talking about one of my favorite game systems. Which is funny. Like, I I have never ran Fate. Uh-huh. I've been involved in, in Fate games. Um, but I think the last Fate game I actually played in was probably well over 10 years ago. Um, It's probably been about five or so. For No, 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 no. 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 It's been more recent than that for me. Maybe, for you. Maybe yeah. Maybe three. Okay. Maybe three. Um, was that a Dresden game? Uh, it was actually we were trying to do Wheel of Time. Oh, okay. Using okay. Fate. Okay. Uh, fair, fair. And it was it it went uh, went pretty well, but we did do some Dresden. Mm-hmm. We did do some Dresden as well. Um, so we've got a, a little peppering. Uh, nothing ever really went like a long campaign sort of right, thing. You right. know, a couple game sessions we kind of got our feet wet with it, but I think we were having a little bit of trouble um, sinking our teeth into the game system. It's a really Great, very intriguing, very good game system, but it is uh, what I would say a dramatic shift mentally for how to run it uh, from like your typical D and D. Okay, from your strategy type exactly. System. Yeah. And, but but we'll we'll kind of get into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no doubt. So let's let's start talking a little bit about just what fate is, just so we can kind of lay the groundwork for the discussion we're about to have. Um, fate is a uh is a core rule set by evil hat productions mm-hmm. uh they're currently in their fourth edition of it yep. um they it's a generic rule set uh very much like gurps where you can kind of do anything with it uh it doesn't have a setting um necessarily of its own there are setting books that use the fate system right like we mentioned dresden before closer to d20 in that generic sense yes 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 like if you were to buy not D D, but just the d20 rule set right. and then D was maybe an expansion for that correct that's more what we're talking about right um and so the, the cool thing about it is you can then uh adapt it to really any sort of setting you want mm-hmm. um it's very flexible in that um it does have several toolkits that are available for it uh for expanding the rules in certain directions mm-hmm. so there's a like a horror toolkit a space toolkit um i recently saw that they had a uh, a kickstarter that was uh either coming to a close very soon or has just recently closed for fate of cthulhu ooh yeah that's definitely. totally up your alley right there uh, yes it is um and so i uh, i uh, very much like gurps it's kind of got your uh, what we call splat books you know, to, okay. to, yeah, to yeah. take you in those particular directions. Right, right. And then uh, it also has a very narrative style of gaming. Um, so I think it would really honestly be right up your alley. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the more I go back to looking at it, uh, the more I'm intrigued about running something in it. And in fact, uh, th- there were a couple times where I, in the past, that I had considered using it to do uh 7c mm-hmm. to use the 7c universe but run it as fate instead. i really I, I think it would it's, do well it's easy i think it would do well yeah doing that yes um 
but I think one of the the things that um kind of sets the stage for what fate is is it is not a tactical game mm-hmm. it is not a number heavy game it takes those parts out and puts it in a different style of system um than what we traditionally talk about but that doesn't change in in it changes some of our focus mm-hmm. because whereas with D&D we're talking about how much you as a storyteller need to impart upon the players and how to impart those things and when you deal with fate and systems like fate there's a lot more cooperation that's happening with the players mm-hmm. on building those worlds and you get to it sounds funny but you kind of do get to take a step back as storyteller and take a breath and for people who've been buried in D&D and doing that it can sometimes be a little jarring it it is it's it's pretty jarring um also because uh a lot of the uh, for, for me, uh, more, some of the main aspects of Fate is that uh, it's very narrative-based, and you don't have a lot of numbers to deal with. No. At all. You have what are called aspects, and we'll get more into those in a moment, but they're mm-hmm. word descriptors. Yeah. And so there's, I mean, how do you put a numeric value on a word descriptor? Well, I mean, you actually don't, and that's exactly the point. And for someone who comes from, you know, years of Dungeons and Dragons, where I've never really been that crunch heavy, like I've never been a real big min-maxer or anything, mm-hmm. but I'm used to the numbers being there as a comfort level, you know? I'm used to the numbers being there as a, as a measurement that I can, that a, a metric by which I can look at my character and say, he's good at this or she's bad at that. Okay. And such like that. But you don't have those sort of things in Fate. You've got some skill numbers and everything else is a word descriptor. Yeah. And it's neither good nor bad, but it really depends on the situation and how it comes into the situation. Right, right. It's it, You aren't leveled against something. Mm-hmm. You are an individual in a story, in a, in a world. Yeah. And it's... A lot of times I... I I look at games like I look at game systems like Fate and I think they sit in a in a a much more comfortable storytelling movie aspect where you have a person in a world doing extraordinary Sexy, things right? in a world. It, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> Fair enough. Um but uh or have to pay for that. Um but yeah, if you if you look at movies in general, you have not necessarily average individuals, but you have individuals who are challenged by the situation for which they are in. Mm-hmm. They are not accustomed to whatever that is. And fate really draws that. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have something like D&D where it's very tactical and it's, I've built this group to achieve a goal. Right. And yes, they're going to run through struggles. And sometimes you're going to have storytellers that are going to push the the personality aspects of that and, and kind of drive into that direction. But most of the time it's, can this ax get through that armor? Exactly. Exactly. We are a third level group. We cannot fight that monster. Right. You know, but maybe if we do this and this and this and talk to this group and this group and this group and go work around this direction, and this direction, we can. Right. Cause the numbers work out. Exactly. Exactly. And in, in fate, it's more that everyone's just kind of a dramatis persona and you just work with that. You, you know? and your newfangled words. Hey. <laughs> I liked it, though. Uh, so, okay. Uh, what makes fate different? Other than, you know, what we've kind of already gone over. Um, so, fate uses some special dice. Yeah, so uh, for all you out there who love collecting dice, <laughs> fate is a new dice game for you. Fate will add four new dice to your dice bag. Just oh, four. Just four. Just, just four. four. But they're cool. Yeah. Um, no, what they are is they're six-sided dice. So you can use just regular six-sided dice for this if you don't want to go and you buy can. new dice for them. Right. What they are is they're six-siders. Two of them are pluses, two of them are blank, and two of them are minuses. Sided wise. Uh, these are called fate dice. Are they formerly known as fudge dice? Fudge dice, I believe dice, the yeah. system used to be called fudge. Yes. Um, back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, so if you want your, 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 your fate dice, um, just your pluses and minuses and, uh, the, the game system that goes along with that is very simple whenever yep. you're going to make a skill check. And that's really the only checks that you roll dice for, cause it's mm-hmm. about the only numerical component that you've got. Mm-hmm. You take your skill rating mm-hmm. and you roll all four dice. You always roll all four mm-hmm. dice 
and your pluses and minus just increment or decrement that number. So if you've got a three and a skill, and you roll like two minuses, a plus, and a blank, the net on those dice of two minuses, one plus, and one blank comes out to minus one. Yep. So you take your three skill, you subtract one from it, you hit a two. There you go. If that's at or above your target number, you succeeded. If it's extremely above your target number, you succeeded uh, with, uh, with what do they call this? With style. With style. You succeeded with style. If it's lower um, than there, you either fail or you have some consequences. Some consequences, yeah. Um, so, and that's it. You just learned all the dice rolling that takes place in Faint. Yeah. And and when it when you do succeed, it is there's no measure of success besides other than success and great success. Really. I mean, you could go through numbers and play mm-hmm. with the variations, but every storyteller is going to set what very good is in a different way. Right. And we didn't, of course, we didn't get into what the other complication in there is. And right. that's how your aspects come into play. Oh, Lord. On yeah. Things. Um, so that's your, your other your other major uh, thing of the game is that everything is very heavily narrative, like we've, like we've mentioned. Right. Um, and your aspects are, like I said, word descriptors of things mm-hmm. okay and they're not even like and you usually have what like four or five of them uh you have a lot actually because during character creation they actually start during character creation yeah. okay um you don't start with characters you start with setting yes okay and this is one of the big things that i love about fate mm-hmm. is that everybody in your it's it's almost like a built-in session zero yes you have to have a session zero you have to because everybody gets a say in what the setting is mm-hmm um, and even in things like there are, that are established settings, like the Dresden Files, well, where are you playing? What city? What, what city are you playing? Is what, it Chicago? Yeah. Where, where the books are set? Or is right. it somewhere else? We right. played in Detroit when we played. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so there's no canon, you know, setting for what, Detroit. What time? So, well, yeah. it's, it's contemporary for right. Dresden. But again... Uh, you if could you're just playing it. random yeah. fate, then yeah. yeah, sure, exactly. What time period? Mm-hmm. Are you playing a medieval game? Are you playing a space age game? Are you mm-hmm. playing cyberpunk? What mm-hmm. is it? Um, what's going on in the city? Mm-hmm. What complicating factors are there? Mm-hmm. And you don't need to fill in a lot of the blanks with like pages of backstory or anything mm-hmm. like that. Very but, simple. You know, uh, hey, the um, the mafia is a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, the mafia. What what does the mafia function as in this story? Okay, uh, the mafia's got everybody under their thumb. Okay, cool. So the city now has the aspect mm-hmm. under the mafia's thumb. There you go. Simple. Period. You just write the, under the mafia's thumb on a piece on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. You might add two or three more aspects to your to your story, but you don't want to over th- overcomplicate things mm-hmm. this time. The story doesn't have to be its own character, right? Um, but then you continue. Or then. the setting doesn't have to be its own character, right? But then you continue with characters, right? Okay, so now that we know where these characters exist and kind of what environmental factors are going on and what sort of story we're we're aiming towards here, right? Now, what characters exist in that setting? Right. And how do they tie to the setting? Right. So you already know. You've already got kind of backstory for everybody right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're playing in the city of Detroit, and every, and the mafia's got everybody under their thumb. So what character do you make that exists in that situation that is dynamic, that is driven, mm-hmm. that is heroic? Yep. You know? Stage two, then, of creating your characters is going through and... Uh, tying in your uh your backstories to everybody else and this generates more aspects for you because it establishes a history this is kind of like where your background functions in D Mm-hmm. so it gives you a little bit of like this is what happened before the story so you didn't just poof out of midair and because of that you've got some history you've got some aspects you've got some personality traits or right. hang-ups or unresolved trauma or whatever, whatever those aspects are. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the joy of that is that you can basically sky's the limit and bounce the ideas off of each other. Whereas, like, a lot of times with D&D um, or tactical games, mm-hmm. you're thinking of your class mm-hmm. and building a character or vice versa in almost silence. It's with you and the storyteller. 
And that's pretty much it. Yeah, you pour over books, you pour over the expansions, and you go, oh, I would really like to play an arcane archer fighter. Those sound interesting. Right. Because their class abilities look cool. Right. And you don't talk that over with anybody else in the group. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you if know? they're an established group and you're like, is this something you guys could use? Yeah. You know, or what could need, or to the storyteller of like, oh, okay, so uh, how would I fit this into the world? Like, could I be coming from this region? You mm-hmm. know, do they have that region? Mm-hmm. Now that, that exists, it's there. Yeah. You know? And this is where you start stepping over. I think fate sits right on that line between uh, or closer on the line between tactical than some of the other games where uh, much like uh, City of Mist or Urban Shadows uh, where you're lean. I mean, City of Mist definitely kind of sits a little closer, but Urban Shadows kind of sits in the realm of everyone is telling the story. The world is built is very much built by the players. Yes, whole cloth. Yes, and you focus on that. Fate kind of, you know, leans to that um, apocalypse world design. Well, uh, Sean uh, Heatsink was actually just uh, discussing, I think, in the general thread on our Discord a little bit earlier today, Mm -hmm. um, that everything in Fate is a negotiation. Correct. Okay, Uh, and that kind of gets into where these aspects come into play. Um, is we've, we've talked, we've used the word aspects a lot, but we haven't really described what, you know, what mechanical function they have. Um, they are written descriptors. Uh, and again, they're, they can just kind of be anything. They're either your job or a descriptor of like, you know, sucker for a pretty face, something like that. Um, that can be invoked for a bonus or compelled for a detriment. And therein lies your other, your your second major game mechanic in Fate, and that comes in Fate tokens. Um, so you're not only going to have your fudge dice or your, your Fate dice sitting in front of you, but you're also going to have uh, probably a stack of tokens, poker chips, right? Um, you know, little glass beads, whatever you want to represent them, pennies. Um, and uh, you'll start with a certain amount. Each player will start with a certain amount, and the okay. storyteller will sit with a certain amount. Mm-hmm. Okay, as gameplay takes place. Um, your aspects will either be compelled or invoked. So you may have the aspect sucker for a pretty face, just to use it as, as an example. Sure. Um, I, as the storyteller, will then say, okay, so a you know this woman walks up to you and she's saying, hey, I really need your help. Rob, I believe you're a sucker for a pretty face. Isn't that right? And you say, yes, I am. Say, How do you think that that might come into play? And I might offer you a fate token for that. Right. Okay. Now, it's very much um, like how hubris works in, in 7C, 7C. Yeah. Uh, where you've got that kind of a negative attribute to you, and the storyteller can offer you... Yeah. Right. They can offer you a drama die to bring that in as a complication for your role-playing. Right. So, And I, probably in the same way, I can spend a fate and basically say no. No, I think I'm just going to play this one straight. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you can spend a fate token to not have that compel take place right that's exactly how it works yeah so in that guard, regard those are almost identical mm-hmm. um or at but, least for first edition we'll leave but, it there but therein <laughs> you've then gotten kind of an economy where yep. your aspects will come into play in and in kind of inform your role play but it's not like i'm gonna just force you to just be at her beck and call and you know suddenly you're just playing into her hands because you you wrote sucker for a pretty face on there there's right. a negotiation that takes place there's mm-hmm. a discussion you mm-hmm. know and but it, it should, if you accept the fate token, inform your role play and probably play out to your to your detriment. Maybe not as the way the way that you might optimally not want that scene to go. Um on the other hand though, you can invoke things. And invokes are the other the other major expenditure of, of uh of fate tokens. This is why you would want to take a compel, because you want those fate tokens in your hand so right. that later you can use them. Correct. Okay. So you can do things, uh, for instance, if you have an aspect that works to your advantage, mm-hmm. um, sucker for a pretty face might also imply that you have a good amount of experience dealing with the, uh, uh, dealing with, with ladies. Okay. Okay. So sure. It doesn't always turn out for you. And so sometimes they lead you around by your coattails, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, you know your way around seduction, maybe. Right. So if if there's a femme fatale there who's trying to convince me to do something, I can be like, well, actually... Exactly. I've heard this song sung before. You might be able to play Sucker for a Pretty Face. Again, in negotiation with mm-hmm. me as the storyteller and say, yep. this 
I've got some experience in this. I think I get a plus two on this roll to deal with her. Right. For persuasion or whatever the skill is you're going to use. Right. So you can then invoke that. Um, there's other things, too. Like I said, everything has, has aspects. Mm-hmm. The city has aspects. People have aspects. Your car might have an aspect. Mm-hmm. The room might have an aspect. Mm-hmm. For instance, if I, in combat, shoot out the lights, the room now gets the aspect shrouded in shadows. Mm-hmm. Well, now I can invoke shrouded in shadows to get a plus two bonus on my stealth roll. Yeah. To slip away. Yep. You know? Yeah. So therein lies your fate economy. Okay. Uh, and it's it's complicated. <laughs> well, it can be very complicated. Yeah. It can also be very simplified. But again, you're adding the levels of complication. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you can make it very technical. You can add a lot of details. Um, I was reading about uh, someone who basically a group came of D&D people switched over to Fate basically to play some games. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, oh, you guys are playing uh, an adventure, like a uh, fantasy adventure in Fate. I'd love to join. Um, you know, uh, can you give me a bit about your your story? And so they, they gave him the scenario and he co- comes in. And literally when they, he sits down at the table, he's like, okay, so... Uh, so where are we? And the storyteller puts out 40 note cards with rooms and little blocks written on them and things like that. And everybody has got their sheets. He's like, what are these? He's like, oh, these are all, this is the dungeon we're in. Huh? Well, we wrote aspects for every one of the rooms as we went through them. So literally every wow. step of the game, they were still playing tactical. Wow. And I was like... That would be painful. That is overcomplicating things, man. Mm-hmm. But, and, but but I understand. I understand that mindset. Because, right. And that's the exact problem I had getting into fate and, and I frankly, still do. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the big reasons why I haven't moved away from D&D to start playing something like fate. Yeah. You know, is simply because it can be that that can be the biggest hurdle is the vague nature of aspects that if you can't bust out of that tactical, rigid, numeric thinking. Mm hmm. Then it looks like it. Then the game looks like a nightmare to you. Well, and especially when you've got people who are always looking to succeed. Mm-hmm. You've got because because D and D drives success. Sure, it re- sure. requires the, failure is horrific. Yeah, in, fa- in, failure has consequences in D and D. Doesn't just have consequences. It doesn't death. just have consequences. It has dire consequences. Mm-hmm. There is there is no value in failure in D and D. Yeah, your your character gets no growth. You, you get set back, and in fact, more than one character can be set back. That's true. So it is a a wholly different design mm-hmm. in as far as advancement is concerned, whereas if something doesn't go right in a Fate game or Apocalypse World game... Um, or Mouse Guard. Or Mouse Guard. Yeah. Uh, any of the systems like this, it is... You, you don't slide into a spiral of, of doom. Mm-hmm. And gloom. You you just have a consequence. And you can move from there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it just I'm, I'm looking over here at the live chat, actually, and uh, Nox in the Box is with us tonight. Mm. Um, and says, uh, uh, what if I don't think femme fatales are pretty? What if my pretty lady is less conventional or handsome gentleman? What if the DM tries to use a conventionally pretty person on me and my character likes more the average looking people? Um I think that's, a that was a pre-discussion with, I mean, when you're writing those things up, it isn't done in a vacuum. Yeah. You're not creating, unlike D&D, you're not creating your character in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. You're creating in a very open sense. So anytime you're creating a character in an open sense with mm-hmm. the rest of the table, everybody kind of knows, the players know who your character is. Like, you will be discovering more of your character, obviously, as the game goes on, but it's going to be very different than a D&D game where, you know, players may think one thing and the DM may think another, and you're, disco- you know, you're, you're opening up those discoveries to them yeah. as you go. You're like, no, that's not what I agree with. Whereas with this, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that's Ted. Like, well, what's up with Ted? Oh, did, didn't you know? His, he's got to get home to his husband. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, that just happens. That's That's known beforehand so i think in that sense i think you run into a lot less of that in a fate uh style game there's there's also negotiation that takes place i mean uh, keeping in mind that um you know you you'd have gone over a lot of this stuff in character creation Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, what sucker for a pretty face. If if that gets written on your character sheet, there's already been a discussion about why that aspect is there. What brought that aspect to be on your sheet? You're not making these characters in a vacuum. So your your storyteller is already going to know that this person walking in fits your bill of what a pretty face is. Yep. Because they were there when you wrote them and told the story about why that aspect is important to your character. Yep. So, um, talk about skills. Sure. All right. So skills, uh, there's a giant skill list in the book. 100%, you know, right? Well, there, there, (laughs) I mean, there, there's, there's your, there's your, your, uh, I would say your, Usual generic allotment. list. Yes. There's your, your there's your usual allotment. Your athletics, your stealth, your melee combat, your persuasion. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've seen them all before. If you played one role playing game, you've probably seen most of this list. Right. There's nothing terribly shocking in there. Um, what I think is great about the skills, though, is that um, generally it's you can kind of pick whatever you want mm-hmm. um, as long as they form a pyramid. And this is now pyramid in the fourth edition fate core rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. These do differ in certain other editions. Um, in Dresden, you can assign your skills a little bit different because uh, it runs off of actually third edition fate. Okay. Um, but uh, for, for for the sake of our discussion, it mm-hmm. has to be a pyramid. So you get one plus four, two plus threes, three plus twos, and four plus ones. Okay. And that's it. Just yep. pick whatever skills you think are appropriate. Yep. And assign them. There's there's no classes, so there's no class skills, non-class skills, things like that, like you might be used to with, uh, with D&D. Just pick them. Yeah. I mean, m- maybe you're a plumber mm-hmm. who, after in the afternoon, really likes doing, you know, trapeze work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their exercise. So you'll have crazy athletics. Sure. That normally you wouldn't think a plumber would have. And I'm sure you've got some aspects on your on your sheet from your backstory describing mm-hmm. how you got into, uh, you know, maybe you grew up as, a, as, as an athlete and a gymnast, but that wasn't bringing in the money, so you mm-hmm. studied plumbing on the side, mm-hmm. and now that's kind of become your thing, but you've never lost your 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 thing for acrobatics yeah there was there so some neat concepts that i saw out there was uh someone who was a barber mm-hmm. uh but because it was good money there's always someone who needs their hair cut mm-hmm. but the person was actually like a biogeneticist who just didn't agree with all the teachers at school and their parents are like well there's only so many phds who can do your work so you're never going to make that money and so he's like well i can always be a barber yeah. And so that was the two ends of the spectrum for that <laughs> character. I'm like, that's pretty fun. Cool, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um now on top of on top of your skills, and, and one of the other things that too about skills, uh, and I think we've done this in the past too, um, is uh sometimes they if if it's okay with your storyteller, leave blanks. Yeah. On your sheet. Yeah. I just like don't that. Fill idea in completely. All your skills. And then at a at an appropriate time, just be like, you know what? Uh, we haven't really defined this aspect about my character. Um what if he really actually is pretty good at firearms? Maybe he grew up doing this, maybe hunting with his father or something like that, and he knows his way around a rifle. Sure, okay. I've got a blank plus two. I'm just going to fill in firearms in plus two. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, it's kind of that organic style storytelling like that. Right. Um, now, skills can be used in one of four ways. Well, actually, m- multiple ways, but at, at any given time, only one of these ways. Right. Okay. But they all more or less use this particular formula. Mm-hmm. That is either to attack, and that does not mean just physical. Mm-hmm. You can use social attacks. Mm-hmm. You can use mental attacks mm-hmm. to tear someone's psyche down, you know, mm-hmm. and to demoralize them. Intimidation is an attack. It is. But it's just a social attack. It's a mental attack. Um, to defend, to stop someone from attacking you, mm-hmm. um, to overcome to tackle an obstacle of some sort. So if we're, right. uh, the house is collapsing, we need to make an athletic uh, role to get out in time. Right. You know, that is to overcome that obstacle. Right. Um, or to create an advantage. I like that. Which is essentially writing an aspect or discovering an existing one, and then you get to invoke it for free. Uh, and I think uh, Sean mentioned that earlier in the live chat, uh, where I mentioned earlier, say, like, shooting out lights. So I'm going to roll firearms... To create an advantage. 
Okay. Okay. That aspect, I'm going to essentially attack the room, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, the storyteller will negotiate with me what I what I need, right. depending on how the room's lights are described on there, what other duress I might be under. Sure. Okay. But then I'm going to make that firearms check. I'm going to roll my fate dice. And if it re- if it meets or exceeds my, my target number, perhaps then I've shot out the lights. Yep. Even if I fail, maybe I still shoot out the lights. But there might be some other consequences. Maybe I get hit with shards of glass. Maybe the bullet ricochets or something like that. Right. I don't know. Whatever. Yep. But the, the, the sky's the limit with it. But that's what I would use to create that aspect shrouded in darkness. Mm. And I get to invoke it for free. So nice. my next stealth check, plus two, because I was the one that, that, that put that, that thing into being. So uh, it's that's kind of where your tactics come in. Yes. Um, because in like something like D&D, you end up brute forcing your way through a lot of things, mm-hmm. either with spells or with or with your, 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 your big old sword or whatever, um, your animal companion. But with, uh, with fate, there's a lot more of uh, creating and manipulating aspects and manipulating the scene to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I might know you have pretty good blind fighting. Mm-hmm. So I might actually create the aspect shrouded in darkness, knowing that you're going to get a bonus off of that. You can then invoke that, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of goes from there, knocking people off balance, creating advantages for other players, disadvantages for your enemies and things like that. Gotcha. It creates synergies. Sure. Mm-hmm. And and I think that it also lends a lot more flexibility in the sense that you can have people do things with their skill sets that they have that other systems, more tactical systems, wouldn't allow for. Exactly, because your skills, your skill sets are perfectly narrative. Yeah. You know? I mean, sure, you've got some numbers on your on your sheet, but what you are and what you can accomplish in, in the world, in the scene, yep. in the story, is really just kind of how you tell it and how you, what you're daring to do, you know? Yeah. I, I, I could easily see a gunfight where, like, one of the characters is a psychiatrist and has, you know, has, you know, basically their highest skill is... Uh, you know, in negotiations mm-hmm. or 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 therapy, you know, and uh, uh, you you know, one of his talents is get to the matter of it, mm-hmm. you know, and so during the firefight, literally the the enemy shooting, and you know, right in the middle, he's just like, I'm going to intimidate one of the other guys. Okay, what are you doing? I'm going to explain that he clearly has an inferiority problem with his firearms issue, and his missing is clearly a, a compounding issue on that, and that's got to be biting at him, and eventually he's going to run out of ammo, and we're just going to end up rushing him. Roll. Oh, look at all the successes. Yep. <laughs> Suddenly, the the guy is reconsidering. Bullets aren't firing nearly as often. He now has the aspect racked with doubt. Yeah. <laughs> And Sarah, it's your turn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, well, since he's racked with doubt, I'm going to compel that. <laughs> yeah. And that's it's things like that that change scenes completely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's closer to some of the stuff that 7C does in um, using advantages and abilities uh, to change whole uh, outcomes. Yes, yes. Um, using seduction in combat, mm-hmm. which is something that, you you just don't normally get. Um, it's not that you can't do that in tactile game, you know, in, in tactical games, but it, it's not common, and it it seems awkward. Whereas in this, you're literally coming up with the reason why. It seems awkward, and oftentimes it's suboptimal. Completely. And again, with tactical games, optimization is kind of key. That's where your min maxing comes from that we talked about. Yes. You know, it's not to say that fate doesn't have min maxing and there aren't people who min max in fate Mm because you can very easily just because it is narrative Mm -hmm. uh and we'll kind of discuss that a little bit but uh having that uh does kind of push you to something now i know there's another thing that's beyond your skills Mm -hmm. and that's those things called stunts yes now stunts add another layer to who your character is in a special way. Correct. They're they're kind of like uh, special ways you've learned to use your skills. Um. So you uh, you might there, there's a lot of stunts and you can write your own. So I can't really get into particulars about you know what a stunt is because it's really whatever's appropriate. Um. Very much like everything else in the system. Uh, but uh, stunts are are special ways you've learned to use your skills. So you may be good at uh 
So you mentioned acrobatics. Mm -hmm. Um, The guy does trapeze, you said. Right. Um, So uh, I'm trying to think of a stunt off the top of my head, but, you know, you might have a good athletics, but your athletics might get, like, another plus two bonus or something like that if you're specifically swinging or jumping Mm -hmm. from something. So a stunt for something like that, which is which is much harder to try and figure out. Um, let's go with something simpler, like your fire, like firearms in general. If you're if you're good at firearms, maybe you're a detective, mm-hmm. and so uh, you you know you've got skill in firearms. You might have um, an aspect uh, that uh, speaks to uh, your knowledge of firearms. Sure, uh, but you might have a stunt which is like uh, ricochet. Yeah. So whenever you can ricochet a bullet, you get a bonus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's those age-old things where, like, someone throws a frying pan up and then shoots it, and it bounces and hits the guy. Right. That's a perfect ricochet. Right. You know, you see a guy off the glint of a car mirror, and so you bounce it off of the inside frame of the car, mm-hmm. you know, or things like that. So, you know, you, you can get uh, you can get your result there. And that's more of an attack thing. Um but there's nothing to say that there aren't social ones as that, of like uh, like blind read mm-hmm. is a perfect one where you can basically say, you know, uh, where you can pull information out of someone before without them saying anything. Yep. Um, you know, uh, micro read micro emotions off of them might be a thing that you could do as a stunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's an advancement of your character in a very in a much more narrow yes. direction yes. that gives you a, a bonus. Almost like little minor superpowers, almost. Yeah. But, but just fun things, just to add little, you know, little bits of drama and mm-hmm. little unique things that your character can do that make them them. Correct. In the game. Yep. Very much so. So, uh, all right. Looking a little bit further on here. Uh, okay, so we talked about uh, talked about stunts a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Then, okay, so our, our success measures then. Like we said, fail. Yep. Tie, succeed, or succeed with style. Yes. Um, avec a plumb. Um, <laughs> now, failure, like we mentioned, doesn't necessarily mean hard fail. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. But again, every die roll is in negotiation with the storyteller. Right. So, okay, my dice didn't come up. I'm minus one from what I needed. How does this play out? How do you think you failed, Rob? How do you think the die roll turns out? Well, maybe your character's a little, you know, clumsy or something like that. So maybe yeah. they tripped over their own feet or whatever. Okay, maybe you still get out of the room or out, away from the, the, the danger that you were trying to dodge out of the way of, but um, you dropped one of your possessions. Which possession did you lose in there? You know, things like that. Um, tie might mean something. You're going to succeed, but you're only going to partially succeed. So I, I, I'm thinking very much back to uh, Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. where he's fighting the brute next to the plane, and he goes to headbutt him, and it doesn't work out, and basically he just falls right down. <laughs> you know, it's it's not that you failed in such a way that it it, it you know it, you, there's a consequence. Mm-hmm. You hit the ground, and you lost your hat. You know, yeah. and your hat is on the other side of a fan blade that's coming at you. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. I, I'm not dead. I didn't knock myself out, but I want my hat back. Right. Exactly. You know, and that's that's something uh, that kind of pushes that. So you can uh, a lot of times uh, uh, with 7C as we uh, and even Mouse Guard, you can talk about this, is that you're not failing uh, the people. You're you're not playing the character. Mm-hmm. You're just having a consequence of the action that you took, not succeeding in the way. Again, uh, he pulls, goes to pull out his gun, and his gun isn't there because it fell out earlier. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so now you have to rethink about what your act, what your next action is. Mm-hmm. You know, or how you do it. So in that, it's, uh, it's different mm-hmm. than a tactical game. No, so, and then, just and, give an example. And you might still you might still end up with uh, with stress, which is the the fate's version of damage. Um, you don't have hit points so much as you have what's called a stress track, and depending on your your social and uh, mental and physical um, skills, you may have more or less uh, uh, stress available to you to be to be taken essentially. Right. Um, and when you when you hit certain amounts of stress. 
uh, you have to have consequences for that. Mm-hmm. And there's a minor consequence, a medi- moderate consequence, and a major consequence. Okay. Um, I th- those terms might be wrong, but that's essentially small, medium, and large is what we're right. looking at. Uh, and again, those come in as aspects. Mm-hmm. You know, a minor physical a- physical uh, consequence might be, you know, uh, bumped and bruised. Right. You know, um, aches and pains, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Um, but your major aspects might be something like crushed leg right you know a major consequence is going to be something you're going to spend some time and it's going to change your character right for having for having taken that wound yeah and it's again it doesn't necessarily have to be a wound like a physical wound. well for taking the consequence yeah right but it, it has to wound your character yes and i think there are some like marked for death mm. you know or or hunted by the police have been uh, described as things like that, where it, it is social the setting, consequences, yeah. social consequence that mm-hmm. are against you, one hundred percent. Yeah, you know, you 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 screw up something bad enough, and now literally every single game you're hunted. Mm-hmm. So that changes what you're able to do. Yeah, every day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I did see someone mark that uh, somebody had stated that a major consequence can be in jail. Absolutely. So you're you're not dead. You're in jail. Yeah. So. That really limits your capabilities. That, that incapacitates your character just as well yeah. as as a lot of the physical stuff. You yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Um, so, uh, what are the game systems close to fate? Uh, um, I think we mentioned Seven C. Seven C has has a lot of uh, aspects that are close to it, um, but I would not say it's the closest. Seven C is still a very tactical game, but I still it, it sits on that side of the line from fate. I think the Apocalypse World series uh, uh, system has very a much lot so. in common. Exceptional amounts. Exceptional, Exceptional amounts. amounts. Um, I, I would say it would be, uh, you would be, <laughs> if you played Fate and you played Apocalypse World uh, and at the same table, but you didn't tell the people who are watching which game system you were playing, there'd be times when they'd be really hard pressed to figure out which one you're playing. That's true. That's true. Um, I would say Apocalypse World is probably a lot more structured than Fate, but it feels the same. Okay. And I say structured because of how character creation goes and stuff of like that. It's literally checkboxes. That's true. That is true. Pick two of these eight abilities. Yeah, it is. It is streamlined in comparison. Whereas fate is, I don't know. What do you think your aspect is? Right. And and in that regard, um, and I know I'm I'm kind of uh, jumping a little bit ahead, but that that can definitely make it more challenging. Mm-hmm. Fate can be a much more challenging system for a lot of different player types, um, because of that. Because you do have to think and push out creativity mm-hmm. and uh be able to have communications with not only the storyteller but the rest of the players exactly to be able to develop the world so it takes a different type of group yeah absolutely. to be able to play this game um whereas if you get into something like you know city of mist which is an apocalypse world or um or urban shadows which is kind of closer to fate i would say in the way that they do their design mm-hmm. um you know uh you're given a lot, and there's a lot less concern that you have uh, for being on the spot and being creative quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, adventure, um, Tales of the Aeon Society, makes you be creative. Yeah, but there are still things where you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to do editing in, in that game. Yeah, it's it's available to you, right? Whereas with Fate, it is something that happens every session. Yeah, and every player to be effective has to be able to do some editing. They they have to be able to do that, and you also have to have enough trust in your group mm-hmm. to be able to have those negotiations not turn into arguments, essentially. Right, it's not a debate. Right, it's not a debate, it's not about who wins, it's just about, hey, I think this aspect on your character sheet might be an interesting complication here. How do you <coughs> think that might play out right. if you accept this fate token? Well, I think something like this. Well, I think that's a bit harsh, maybe, you know, but if... if if you had this sort of reaction instead. Yeah, okay, I think that sounds fair. Here's yeah. your fate token. Yeah, it's... If you can move it along that quick... Right. Then you can play fate. Yeah, if you have people who are very rule-based, number-based, mm-hmm. who need guidelines to say, this is how each turn goes, and this roll equals this, and I pull it off of this corner of my sheet, mm-hmm. and these are the modifiers and, and deficits, I don't think those people are truly going to enjoy this game. Because there is so much flexibility in it. Yeah, There's exactly. uncertainty 
even at the table beyond the dice. Mm -hmm. It is not just the dice that make the fate of the game. And in most cases, they just add a light randomness to the game. Mm -hmm. Um, Likewise, if you have someone who is, and I'll flat out say it, a Mary Sue, who's who's playing a character who seems to have troubles, but every single time you're in some kind of an action, they are perfection. Because they just, they know how to communicate and be like, well, I'm going to use this ability and this and this because of this and because of this yep. and this room thing. So I get a plus six on every roll mm-hmm. forever. I'm always going to have a plus six. I'm yeah. going to make sure I always have a plus six. And okay, so you're always succeeding with plus two. You're, you're okay. And you're always editing for your own benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's as big of a problem as you might think it is just simply because usually that 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 requires an expenditure of one or more fate tokens right um and you'll so eventually they, run out. they they have to take compels mm-hmm. to get those back right so and that's that's the good news about it is right. that because there is that economy there's mm-hmm. give and take sure you might have someone walk into a situation and lay down all of their abilities and just create a couple aspects, compel a couple other aspects, guess an aspect on your on your, your bad guys so that they get a free compel on it, and then wham, they end up with that massive plus six roll and they come up with three pluses on the fate dice for a plus nine. Mm-hmm. They have succeeded with style, with like, you know, a, a plus seven on top of what they needed. Right. But... What did they expend to get there? Right. And are they ever going to be able to do that ever again? Right. And in is that going to work for every situation? Mm-hmm. And I think for certain characters and in certain stories, people shine. And I think that's where I think people can get lost in the system seeing that as a failure. Yeah. And not realize that there is a little bit of guidance control to kind of pull back. Mm-hmm. And that's those tokens. Yes. Um. The second side of that is... As a storyteller, there's still a storyteller involved in mm-hmm. this. It's, it, 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 there's some leeway in the fate system to have a storyteller list system uh, but it's still a storyteller based system and in that you still have uh the ability to then move from character to character and situation to situation to give shine in different places to yes. put that spotlight in different areas yes and that's what i think adds a lot of beautiful parts to the game absolutely so why would you run fate what what brings it to the table if flat out, this is the, the easiest way I can say it. Mm-hmm. As a DM, I initially have to do less. Yeah. I start something very simple. Let the characters create a lot of juice and put stuff into the pot. And at that point, they're giving me what I need to continue and give me a little creative exactly. leeway. Exactly. It's like bringing ingredients for your chef to cook. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really like the fact that it's a generic setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can really take it any way you want. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we were playing Wheel of Time with this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we hashed together rules for the Aes Sedai, the, the Ashaman, mm-hmm. all those sort of things that are unique to that setting mm-hmm. because the world building had already been done by the author of those books. Yep. All we needed to do was make up some characters and play in his playground. And I'll, I'll say it, you have to bring a lot less dice to the table. <laughs> a lot less dice to the table. So if, if you're, Which if, might be a detriment to some people. To some people. To some people. But to those others who like buying dice for characters every time, it's a cheap way... It is. It is it's a, a low, system. low barrier of entry to get into this game. All right. So we got some questions. We do have some questions. Um, let's go. With, let's start with Overwatch's Fate question first. Yeah, right. Uh, frameworks and systems like Fate often do not come with anything beyond a generic setting or mythos. How do you feel this affects the campaign design and world building in general? Um, that's a good question. It's a great question. Um, I think it opens a lot of doors. Yeah. Like, I think first, I, I think I'll start from the aspect from a new storyteller it allows you a lot more flexibility on where you could play. Yes. So, you know, if something's hot and new and you want to get some players involved in it, you can be like, okay, we're going to play a Marvel game in Fate. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so what do you guys want to do? You know, it's Marvel Universe. Let's let's figure out where we're, we're going to be. And then at that point, the players help pull together where mm-hmm. and what the setting is. Um, likewise, as a... As a uh, as a seasoned storyteller who's maybe told in different other game systems, it gives you a new system that if you want to throw a story together quickly, maybe even on like a camp out, mm-hmm. you can very quickly throw together a fate game. That's where we played Dresden first was yeah. when Sean and I went up North with his friends. Funny that. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, it's great. And it's good. Like you said, not a lot of dice. So 
Yep. One yep. one set of fudge dice for the for the table. Yep. Um, I I really like uh, framework systems like like Fate. Honestly, um, like I said earlier, you can really kind of do anything with them. Uh, and I think Fate is a really great middle ground between uh, a completely blank slate and an established setting, because uh, you don't get that sort of um, intimidating blank canvas. Oh God, the world of possibility is open to me now. What do I do with it? Sort of, you know, par- par- decision paralysis mm-hmm. with fate. Simply because the very first thing you do is sit down with your players and agree upon a setting. Right. And so, once you can all kind of talk about the type of game you want to play and how you want to build the setting for where that game takes place, you've already got a direction and you've got three four other players giving you input on what they want to do yeah giving you all those ingredients as well as the feel i mean because you may still have like for instance you everybody might be like hey let's do some piratey let's okay so what kind of piratey are we doing are we doing like muppet treasure island or are we doing like you know uh on darker tides or pirates of the caribbean you know or you know or or, or pirates of dark water like like how serious what direction and then like are we going for plundering booty or are we fighting a royal navy here Uh uh-huh like what kind of direction and that really opens a lot of doors but it also lets your players like you said voice where their minds are at and it gives you the flexibility to be like okay five sessions in this is suddenly turned into you know uh, Muppet Treasure Island, you know, and everybody <laughs> seems to be loving it. Let's just keep going in that direction. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, and and you can do that, and it's and the system is flexible enough that that works. Yep, you can be yep. just as lighthearted if you if you want to. Yep. Um. So yeah, no, I I, I actually really like uh like Fate for for campaign design and world building in general. Uh, per your question, it's it's that great little middle ground right there between blank slate and mm-hmm. and uh, established uh, established toolkit and. Yep. You can do a lot with it. So, yeah. good choice. All right. Uh, so, Technolich asks. Uh, oh, and this is a big question. This is a mm. this is a really good question. Mm-hmm. This is almost its own podcast episode. We still might. We still might. Uh, my daughter is playing an evil campaign. Evil. Do you have any tips for storytellers who want to run a campaign for the bad guys? So, where the players are evil. Yeah. Hmm. Well, characters. Characters. I'm sure the players are just fine. No, they're evil. <laughs> he did say daughter. I mean, we're, we're, we're just putting this out there. Yes. So, so I would say uh, any time that you're playing, that you're you're thinking of running an evil campaign or a campaign for bad guys, uh, you really have to ask, still, what's the story? Mm-hmm. What, what kind of feel do you guys want to have? Is this a mystery? Is this a intrigue? Is this a... Uh, you know, a murder hobo session. Like, yeah. wh- where are you going with this? At that point, really, the where the characters come from determines the flavor. Like, I would love to see a henchman campaign from D&D where basically all of the villains are dead. And so the henchmen have all of these resources <laughs> that they now have to hide that the villain's dead. Crap, what am I going to do with 27 catapults? Exactly. Like, you I know, got no one to siege anymore. That's right. Or worse yet, all of the stuff is locked up because the keys are gone. Mm. So now they have two problems. One, someone's eventually going to find those keys and want to come in and start looting their places. You know, so they've got to prepare for it. Or two, they've got to hide things. Or three, they've got to go hire adventurers to help them break in. <laughs> oh, God. So, I mean, there's all kinds of aspects that you can do with evil characters mm-hmm. or or an evil setting. Um, and remember, villains aren't villains in their stories. Yeah, villains are typically the heroes of their own stories. So I think that's just an angle to look at. Yeah. Uh, I I gotta be dead honest, I'm not big on evil campaigns. Um, I, I personally don't enjoy being evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I almost feel remiss that I, I don't have a lot of great advice to give you, um, other than the question of like, why would you want to do that? But Hey, it's fun for some people. So that's, you know, if that's where you're at, 
that's where you're at. Yeah, I mean, and I think it can be fun just to, like, instead of pretending to be the good guys and being murder hobos, to just say, no, we're the bad guys and be murder hobos, you Yeah, know? yeah, just to throw off the mask, go full, go full dark. Exactly. And, and lean into it. Exactly. Which I've definitely seen. I've definitely seen that. And sometimes that's just a relief on mm-hmm. its own, you know? But I, I, I think, um... I think if if, if I we're going to run an evil campaign, uh, I think it might be um, lesser baddies trying to topple bigger baddies to become the big baddies. Well, I mean, that's the whole, like, Punisher design is I don't follow the law because I, because I can do things you can't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's got to be done. Exactly. You know, Deadpool, well, like, I, just shooting the guy in the end, like, no, we're supposed to take him in. I'm not an X-Men. No, because in, in the end, that's still kind of anti-heroes. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Is, but, but what I, what I'm thinking more is like your henchman, uh, mm-hmm. your henchman campaign rising up. But instead of like, well, the villains are gone, and now I guess that makes us the villains. Right. The campaign is making the established villains gone, so we can be the villains. Okay. Okay. Rise of power. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Like mm-hmm. I'm Dracula's servant. Mm-hmm. How do we kill a vampire? Yeah. Like I know how to kill Dracula. But he can also read my mind, so I need to go talk to Ted, who he can't read his mind, exactly, to help me kill Dracula. Because Ted is some other different type of horrible <laughs> monster, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Beholderkin, who I can't look at on a regular basis. Right, but, right, right. You know. <laughs> but, and, and I think, again, you're you're dealing with some tropey comedy involved in that, where they're basically trying to assassinate each other's... Maybe, maybe but, but, but you could, no, you could play this straight. You could you absolutely could. play this straight. Yeah. I mean, what we're, what we're spitballing here at the table... Yeah. Definitely has like a pulpy level of of like, uh, you know, uh, uh, oh, what was that ridiculous? Movie? Gene Wilder, the horror movie where it was Victor von Frankenstein. You mean Young Frankenstein? Young Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah it's Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like you know that that sort of level of comedy, you know. Okay. But, okay. But but you could absolutely play it straight. Yeah. I mean, vi- villains toppling other villains, I'm sure, mm-hmm. happens all the time. Nobody has scruples in the underworld, you know? No, <laughs> no, no. It does happen a lot. Just look at the Red Wizards of Thay. We won't talk any further than that. Exactly. We don't <laughs> speak of them. All right. Uh, Matt Elf asks, uh, what challenges does the versatility and flexibility of the system introduce into terms of developing stories and building words? That is some of the stuff we already talked about a little bit, and that is is that you may have a rigid idea of the world as a storyteller who's done a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And when you bring it to your players and they start changing things, it it's going to be harder for you to think yes and no answers or yes and answers for them. You know, where it's like, oh, you know, uh, we're going to be doing this in Forgotten Realms. Oh, okay, that's an established world. So um, I'm going to be the son of a red wizard. Well, you can't be. Well, why? Because you can't be. That make you're gonna be too powerful. Mm-hmm. Like right there, as a storyteller, you're like you've already got it in your mind, kind of what's going on with the world. Whereas that's not really where design like this works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be very jarring for people who are strict world designers, where it's their world and the players are formatting within that. Yeah, I would say that that's probably my biggest challenge, too, is, you know, thinking in very concrete terms. Uh, this question comes from the Mad Elf, who is our storyteller in our Mouse Guard game. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, Mad Elf, you know d- d- directly that I've had issues at your table before mm-hmm. going, what do you mean I don't fail? Right. What do you mean there's no failure in Mouse Guard? Yep. You wanted four successes. I rolled one. Right. That is way under, how did I not botch this? Right. You know, what do you mean the story continues? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's something for me, like I said earlier, is, it, is a being brought up in, uh, with a healthy amount of D&D, I tend to think of things very concretely. And if you're like me, and you look at things numerically and concretely and discreetly, uh, then the versatility and flexibility of the system is going to be difficult for you to wrap your head around. And it's going to make the world feel very rigid. It's going to make the game system feel like it's fighting you at every step. And the biggest challenge is going to be leaning into it and understanding that it's not a story. It's a collaboration. Mm-hmm. It's not a role. It's a negotiation. Mm-hmm. And it's not a tactical combat game. It oh, is... shit. We're done. It is... We, we don't hear it anymore in our headsets, and <laughs> I apologize don't. for that. It is not a game. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry about that, Sarah. <laughs> just, 
I, all right. I totally killed you. It's all right. Hey, if the music's playing, the music's playing. You can it find is. us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram st underscore conclave. You can listen to us live every uh, Wednesday night, uh, uh, seven p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave, and join us on Discord. You can find the link to our Discord up on our Twitter, as well as at our website where you can listen to all these uh, uh, episodes as well at storyteller dash conclave dot blueberry dot net. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, Knox, Sam, and the Arcane Asylum, who help us immensely, as well as the rest of our Patreon members, keeping this show going and uh, helping us get the new equipment we need, and basically keeping all these services up for you, our listeners, who we love ever so much. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. Our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. And a big shout out as always to our family uh, at Vicky and Sean, all of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years, and to you, every one of our listeners. We love you. Stay safe. Good night. Good night.